Welcome to the Warrior Mindset Podcast. We are your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. Welcome, everybody, to Warrior Mindset Live. I'm happy to have Daniel Jackson here with me today. Before we get too deep, I want to say thank you to our sponsors. And if you guys would, check it out. Tacta Calories, some really great seasonings and things, plus their name is awesome. And Strike Force Energy. If you buy anything at those stores, use Warrior Mindset for your checkout code. We get a little kickback, so thank you for that. What's up, Dan? Oh, snap. What's going on? Yeah, man. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, again, we're, we're broadcasting this live, so we're just going to see how that goes. So everybody, if you're watching, uh, this is a test. Nice. We might screw it up. (laughs) No, we'll be good. Well, first off, uh, so people in the warrior mindset community know, uh, Dan and I worked together like maybe like two months. How long was that? Uh, let's see. I was in, we were stationed from. April 2017 until November 2017 with you guys. Yeah, so I guess six months or so. Yeah, would that count as a range? Though? I mean, because we didn't interact a bunch in regards to like the coaching setting. Yeah, yeah. But well, we know. knew each other. Let's claim it. Okay. <laughs> so we coached together for tax and, purposes. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> uh, at Workhorse, uh, which is the gym I'm a part owner in, and um, that's how I got to know Dan. Um, and I think. We hit it off pretty quickly, just briefly talking about sharing similar thoughts. So I think we're kind of of like mind. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's where I want to start. So uh, d- tell me some tell us some stuff about yourself. What do you what do you have going on right now? Aside from coronavirus, we would like oh, to make course. this a coronavirus free podcast. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. <No. laughs> Let's see. Right now. Not a bunch going on, but currently working with a swim team here in Marietta, Georgia, where mm-hmm. all of our pools are shut down. Have a oh, couple, yeah. have a few of the swimmers here. They have their Olympic trials cuts, and they still yeah. need a place to train. And okay. you know, we have our garage outfitted in appropriate uh, ergs with appropriate ergs, and and uh, I have some little bit of experience in developing dry land programming for swimmers so they're they're right now they're currently in the garage hitting hitting weights they're all over 18 for what it's okay. worth whoever's right. listening um so there's a, a, a there's a, an older supervisor out there a group of them <laughs> um but outside of that currently you know working still working with the Atlantic grid league. I'm a co-founder in that with my buddy, Joseph Ditzel, uh, without him, I could not do this by myself. And now you were a part of the last event in September, you, Eve, and many of the other people who probably listened to this podcast. And obviously if you are listening and you were at the last event, thank you very much for your support in that. Cause that was a baller event. And it was, was because awesome. it, it was definitely because of you guys. And I don't take much credit for it. It was everything that you guys helped us with. Um, but outside of the grid and swimming, uh, programming for some, some homies out in, in Texas, CrossFit Cataclysm and, you know, staying at home still with my kids while my wife's doing the army thing. Right. Um, that, that's an, I, I want to get into that at some point, how you are a, a CrossFit coach and a stay at home dad. Sure. 
I don't know how that works. But, don't know how it works. <laughs> do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's all trial and error, man. Just like life. So let's, yeah, that's a great place to start. So, uh, you know, what, what's some of your coaching? Um, I don't want to name drop. You, you coach swimming. Who, who are some of the people you've coached in swimming that we might know? Uh, current American record holder in the 100 breaststroke, Ian Finnerty. Mm-hmm. is probably the biggest name in swimming that I've worked with directly. I co- had the luxury of coaching him in high school. Um, Scott Haberly, I, I coached him in high school as well. He is a professional triathlete now. Mm. Um, Jesse Smith, he's a pro mountain biker. Uh, he went to, on to swim at Denison College. Um, and Jake Kelzer was also a pretty baller swimmer. Uh, he's now currently... Uh, in with the Phillies, he he oh, pitches. Wow. He pitches for the Phillies. Uh, he went to swim at IU. Didn't work out too well for him, but he got on the baseball team when they were really really good. Uh, went to, I believe he went to the NCAA tournament. I don't know. There's not too many names I can name drop in the swimming world <laughs> that that I, I believe many people listening to this podcast right. would know. Right. Um, the crossover world would be a different avenue, though. We can we get to that realm. But uh, Ian Finnerty is the biggest name, uh, and I guess maybe Blake Peroni as well, but I've not worked directly. I've never worked directly with him, but I've I've conversed and interacted with him in the past when I was coaching high school swimming in in Indiana. So how does how does your world cross over into CrossFit? That all started in 2011. Mm-hmm. No, March 2012. Wow. Um, but I'll backtrack a little bit. 2010 is when I met my homie, Kyle Ruth. Uh, he works at Training Think Tank. We've been buddies ever since then. Uh, I considered him my mentor in college and hung out with him quite a bit uh, throughout college. And he, w- I sat in on one of his classes, and a dude by the name of Kyle Swinford, who I'm sure you've heard that name before from Ebe, uh, did a presentation in Doc Henson's uh, advanced, I believe it was like advanced exercise, advanced theories and exercise or advanced theories and in, in exercise and programming, something along those lines. It was a grad level class. I just sat in and Kyle Swinford did a presentation on CrossFit. And this was back when I was a big CrossFit naysayer. Then he gave that presentation and no. uh, I, <laughs> I was still a pretty big naysayer. And then Kyle Ruth took it to heart mm-hmm. a little bit. And then we, he started dabbling in it. And of course, like I followed in his shoes and in that sense because i basically idolized him um and i'm not proud to admit that fact but you you idolize people throughout your life sometimes it's okay yeah Uh, so from there um fast forward 2012 he and i were working out a little bit in his house and i I became a member of hoosier crossfit Mm -hmm. uh which which is actually where i met ebe gotcha um actually well kind of um but kyle had already moved to north carolina and he opened his gym crossfit lkn so that's kind of where everything started from the crossfit realm of things i suppose is so back in 2012 yeah 2012 march of 2012 is when i farted my started (laughs) started (laughs) (laughs) i started my on-ramp my first on-ramp for cross for for crossfit oh gee i guess (laughs) But and that kind of blossomed into a bunch of other different stuff, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It opened a wide variety of it opened a massive demand for a wide variety of knowledge in exercise and sports science, in my my opinion. Got you. And so you have a degree in uh, what's your degree in? 
Uh, undergrad is in kinesiology, and I have a master's in coach education and athletic development from Xavier. Wow. That's a lot of coaching, man. I suppose. <laughs> it's, you know, it was, I actually I finished my degree while living in Columbia. Mm-hmm. I remember that. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I think Ebe's in the program now, or he got admitted to yeah, it. Working on it, yeah. And yeah. and Ebe is uh, my business partner in in the gym we own, Workhorse Fitness, and uh, sort of the the friend that binds us. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Uh, let's get into some coaching stuff here. So, sure. I, you know, you're working with. Uh, <clears throat> are they considered professional athletes? I mean, I know some of the CrossFitters are, but like yeah. I, I would say they're all pro athletes to some degree. You know, if you were to ask me that question in 2016, when the National Pro Grid League was still around, I would say yes, Mm -hmm. because that was considered a pro-level sport. Right. I don't know the precise definition of professional CrossFit athlete. Now, Noah Olson would obviously be one since he's been to the game since, what, 2014? Yep. Yeah, and and Travis Mayer as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've had the luxury to work with both of them in the pool. Uh, and, but outside of that, like, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable answering like, yes, I work with sure. professional level because it's just cause I don't want your podcast to get shit on. <laughs> we, don't, we don't give a goddamn what people think. <laughs> All right. Um, that's the first, that's the first principle of being a warrior is to not give a shit what other people think. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, man. Well, what I wanted to get at was that you are working with people that are either uh, amateur level, professional level, or, you know, they have the same approach. Mm-hmm. So, what's some of the things that you see um, that might be different between, let's say, your your average uh, human who's trying to get fit versus someone that's in that role in terms of uh, their routine? Like, how are they building those routines? How are they working on those good habits? Well, the big thing is they they don't like to stop moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're always doing something. Uh, and whether it's <clears throat> like your actual generic wad or heavy lifting, they're doing movement, yoga, just wow. generalized stretching. I mean, they, they, if we're talking pro, quote unquote pro level, mm-hmm. um, I actually had an interesting observation recently. It's like, these guys are doing six to seven perceived or five, six, seven perceived workouts, but they're only like 10 to 20 minutes long sometimes. Like they get in, they warm up, they do their stuff, they're done. They wait for a little while. Like everything's just kind of spread out. It's like one training session in the day spread out through the entire day. So that's one thing is like, you know, me, I'll just use myself as an example. Like me personally, like I want a good hour to two hour long session in. And that's where I struggle with motivation to get into the gym and get in and do that hour to two hour long session because I think that's what it needs to be. Mm. When the reality is like I could do Tabata sit-ups right now if i wanted to right. rest a little while get another era get another uh free, free get a little bit of free time again and do you know tabata jump rope right. tabata squats hey i could do 100 burpees right now if i wanted to or shoot just bend over touch my toes and stretch you know right. shit like in, input movement here for a short amount of time so like the 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 old timey thought is i have to do an hour long session to feel worth a damn and then I, that one hour will set everything apart it's not necessarily true, I don't think, in regards to differentiating mindset of movement and non-movement. Like movement doesn't have to be long; it can be short and okay. sporadic. It doesn't have to be forever. Gotcha. Mm. So, 
I mean, that, that's sort of a, that's a unique differential, right? I mean, your average human being who's just trying for, let's be nerdy for a second. They're looking for just general physical preparedness, right? They're yeah. really looking to live longer, be healthy. Um, they're only coming in for at most an hour a day, right? Mm-hmm. But these other folks, they're, they're working out constantly. In a sense, yeah. Moving. Want, yeah. And then they're also, some of them have big families. Other ones... They don't like I work with a lot of single people. Okay. So they can do it. They prioritize that. You put a family into the into the uh, equation, then it gets a little more difficult to do that, right? And that's for the hour long, whatever. I just realized I didn't fully answer the question. No, it's fine. Apologize. It'd be great. Uh, the the difference between the, the, the average and pro type people or even the higher amateur type people is definitely just gonna be centered on around mindset. They're wired differently. And it's a unique wiring because there's no ego involved for the most part. Okay. Let's dive into ego. We we talk about ego on the show a lot, right? And I mean, as a coach, I'm sure you encounter that a lot as well. Here and there. Sure. Um, (laughs) So, so the last time I think I spoke to someone, we discussed uh, the good and the bad of ego, right? Mm -hmm. So at some point you need a little ego. Yes. You need a little bit of something that makes you want to be an athlete in the first place, right? Yes. But it can be a bad thing if you stop listening to coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. L- yeah. Let me just – have you heard this one before? Let me just do it my way. Yes. Okay. So maybe you can explain a little bit more uh, about that. Like what's the difference between um, these these – People that you're coaching, their their ego. Like, how are they using their ego, or how are they lowering their ego? Well, I'll be specific with it. I'll start with the realm of swimming. Good luck, like, Grace. I'm a I'm a six foot dude, 270 pounds. I look eerily similar to Shrek with hair. <laughs> I am, quote unquote, coaching Noah Olson body types or. Uh, Sam Briggs body types. For those of you who don't know who those people are, they're basically ripped to shreds, mm-hmm. beautiful people, and they, like the, the 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 poster child of health, right? Yes, if you were to they, look at at chiseled bodies, they are very much right. Or any Thor starter too. Um, <clears throat> this fatty is teaching these these people how to swim. Why? Why are they listening? Well, they they admit the fact that hey, I I'm not very good at this movement, mm-hmm. and I don't have a ton of exposure to it why am I going to overstep the boundaries of teaching when this person has a skill that I don't like, it's almost a sense of, I, I want to take advantage of this person's I- ideas and thoughts. It's like me talking to you about fighting gene, like the reason or any, any, any type of sure. that, that stuff. Right? I right. I can punch a heavy bag. Sure. But am I doing it right? I don't know. Probably. But even if like you came over to my house and like taught me how to hit it, I'm not gonna be like, Gene, I know how to hit something hard. No, I want to know how to hit something hard, how to hit something hard well, and how to do it repetitively, repeatedly without hurting my wrists, my hands, my yeah. ego, whatever. Right. So there, there's a stage of that ego submersion. They have a big ego, but when it comes to skill set, they don't. They're not going to say I'm perfect at everything because, you know, CrossFit's a sport of failure specifically. Mm-hmm. And really every sport is a sport of failure. In a, in a realm, in some type of regard. And I think that's wonderful. I think failing is wonderful, personally. 
Right. Well, that's that's the tenet of the warrior mindset is to be able to to fail and get back up. Yeah. To not take it personally. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. So, I mean, that's sort of the difference, right? These these people are looking to win, and they know the route to winning is through you. In swimming, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Um, that's interesting. That that leads into something. So, uh, I know you you you're at home with your kids. I mean, you. Mm-hmm. I've, I've followed your. Uh, some of, I think it's your Instagram posts and stuff where you were working on your diet and you were starting to train again and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the difference be- for you and then also maybe what you've seen in some of these uh, athletes that you work with versus training alone versus with a partner versus in a class setting? Training alone is is commendable. To it, It's commendable and people can do it. Mm-hmm. I did it for a few years. And I would be lying if I didn't reflect on it and, and, and say that training alone is one of the big reasons why I don't do as much training as, as I should. Mm-hmm. I'd be lying if I said that that isn't a catalyst for me not training. It's a big one. I don't like working out by myself anymore. Right. Um, it's, it's, training by, it's hard. No, it's very difficult, and it's a lot more fun for us Joe Schmoes <laughs> to be a part of yeah. you know, a group because you know, these people, these pro-level people, they have a defined journey. They have a defined path that they know they need to take. They accept it. And it's like you know, you, you referenced me getting my diet on track and whatnot when I was doing intermittent fasting. Like I was doing intermittent fasting. My freaking breakfast was 12 to 14 cups of spinach. And maybe some grilled chicken or eggs and then like a couple of pieces of toast with, with avocado on it. Right. That was my breakfast. My dinner, my lunch was basically the same thing. And my dinner was like a vegetable smoothie or something. Gotcha. Like I was like, well, this isn't great, but I got to do it type of mentality. You know, that's how they are in regards to they have to train by themselves. I'm using that as an example mm-hmm. to like oh, yeah. their mindset and training by themselves. Like they have to do it in order to progress forward. Now, I say that, but like really, a lot, a, a lot of the people, if you live near like the training think tank hub, like I do, okay. like they, they do work out together. There's a group of them that works out together. Um, every time I go over there, there's very rarely do I see, which is few and far between now, but very rarely do I see just one person working out, doing their own thing, mm-hmm. unless it's one of the coaches usually. <clears throat> uh, the, the athletes, there's usually a group of them there and they banter back and forth here and there and like, give each other shit and whatnot. I got you. I got you. But they um, training in a group, training with another person, it makes working out fun again for us general right. population people, right? I suppose that people on that higher level of the athletic spectrum, it's really hard to get a group setting going unless it's sport specific and you're practicing the sport. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of intimidation there, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you, I mean, you you look at. Now that would be like Arnold Schwarzenegger coming up to you. Hey, I need a lifting partner. Let's let's go lift yeah. together. Yeah. Like back in no, his sir. prime, right? Like, nah, fam, you uh, you even do now. you. Yeah. Even, now. <laughs> even now, I don't know if you've seen him. He's still ripped. Yeah, it's just that state of no, I'm I'm scared to embarrass myself with this buddy who's really ripped up and can work out really hard. When the reality is, like, they just want somebody to hang out with potentially. Right. <laughs> That's right. I, I've I've seen that. I've felt that. Um, yeah, you just don't want to be by yourself training because it's lonely. Very. <laughs> um, but that, that's sort of part of it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you have to be willing to walk alone. Um, I, one of the things I've 
told people before it because uh, we ran these um if you're in the industry at all you you've seen these challenges where you know you get a bunch of people to join your gym at one time because they're going through like a nutritional challenge or whatever i usually tell those people when they come in in the, the first day in their group i'm like look around you you know you're gonna have to learn how to sort of do this by yourself at some point because these people probably won't be here with you a year from now yeah that's true and i imagine even on that higher level it's even more so because uh, the people just can't hang like for many reasons um, yeah maybe it's just family like you said earlier or their body falls apart <laughs> so let's, yeah let's talk about that though so i sort of equate that to uh grit I'm sure you've heard that term before. A little bit. A little bit. So what is grit to you and how do you develop it in yourself? So grit's a really interesting topic because I read, have you ever read the book Range by David Epstein? I haven't. I strongly recommend that book to anybody um, who, who really wants to <laughs> read just a damn good book. Yeah. Um, it's called uh, – oh, Range why uh, why journalists triumph in a specialized world. There it is. Got you, got you. Um, in fact, let me looking it up right now. Um, I just copied and pasted a link in this awesome. chat. Um, that's that's on Amazon. Uh, it's an extremely good book, but he talks about grit. In in the title, the, the title of the chapter is the problem with too much grit. And one of the things that he references is Vincent Van Gogh becoming a painter. And the path that Vincent Van Gogh became to be a painter, he was not, he tried so many different avenues, like being, um, I believe he wanted to be, oh, what was it? He wanted to work as like a priest or something along the lines in the church. And it didn't work out to very well for him, but he kept trying, kept trying and kept trying. It was like the definition of insanity, right? Trying the same thing, trying to, and getting a different result, gotcha. but it's not going to happen in, 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 in that regard. Um, so it, it basically stated like, sometimes you just need to paint something on a tapestry and, the, and take breaks when it's raining in order to find what you truly are or what you, can be after de trying to develop a set of generalized skills gotcha. in a sense. Uh, it's a really good chapter. Um, I don't have a problem with grit. I don't really have a definition with grit too much. Um, I think grit can sometimes be overanalyzed uh, in just the sense of like, I say grit to you or you say grit to me. It's like, oh, grit, <clears throat> you know, big, 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 tough guy, big, you know, you don't need, you don't need no strong man to keep you down right. type, type, type of deal. It's like the, the old, um, Oh, what's the crap? What's is iron Betty? Not sure. The picture, the, the old picture of the lady from like the, 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 oh, the, the we can do this with the, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like that to me is like, you know, you look at that, that's grit. Right. That's that. I don't need no man holding me down. I'm a gritty woman type of deal or gritty. I shouldn't say woman. I'd say gritty person. I have a gritty right. mentality. It's like is grit can essentially lead to being, it can demotivate you if your grit level is too high. Hmm. What do you um, mean by that? So if you think grit, 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 go, 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 and you're not truly ready for that type of work, like you are, you have a very strong mindset, Gene. You know, Eve does as well. And a lot of the people who listen to your podcast, I'm sure do as well. A lot of people I've met at Workhorse do. Uh, well, at least the group that we went to um, 
crap, what was that breakfast place called? Uh, BLD Diner. BLD Diner, wonderful place. I want to go back. But, you know, that group, you know, all those are they're tough cookies. They're very gritty, mm-hmm. but not in the negative sense of grit. I think there's negatives and positives to grit. If you try to be overly gritty, you can potentially exit the realm of training. You can get You can get burnt out. Okay. With whatever you're doing, and that's the problem with grit. They in Epstein hits a little bit on that in that chapter. The problem with too much grit. You can have grit. But there's a problem with too much grit, just like there's a problem with too much cake. Yeah, you know, um, are, are you familiar with uh, Jocko Wilnick? I'm not. Okay, so um, he's. I have a I have a particular soft spot in my heart for uh, Navy SEALs. Um, yeah, I don't know what the deal is. I just. I don't know. Maybe I should have been one. I don't. I don't agree. But um, he's a he's a former Navy SEAL. He was the uh, uh, commander of the. You've heard of Chris Kyle? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody's heard of Chris Kyle. Um, mm-hmm. He was Chris Kyle's boss. Ah. So he ran the whole thing. Anyway, he's got a podcast. It's a great podcast. Um, and he talks about uh, you know the Navy SEALs say never quit, never give up, and and I love that saying. I have it on T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also saying, don't be stupid about it. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, yeah, never give up, but like, you might have to change the way you're doing things. Right. And maybe yeah. that's what you're getting at with, with too much grit is that you can be too hard headed. You can be too like, just I'm running through this wall, no matter what yeah. you need to stop and be smart. That's yeah. You're dead on. That's essentially like, what I was like training to an injury. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had a lot. Of, I mean, so a lot of I, I don't coach, um, uh, you know, semi-pro pro athletes, um, but I still see that in in regular the regular population of people in that they will try to train through an injury. They won't tell you they're hurting. Hmm. You know, they won't tell you they're sick or whatever. They'll just keep working on it, and um, it's like not helping. You know, like it's the opposite of what you need to be doing, right? Yeah. Do you see that in people you coach? I mean, what do you do when you see that? I see that in the pool with the CrossFit people in the pool because they're very, um, they beat themselves up too much in the water. They think they should be, they, they want to be better than they are. And so they think, you know, go faster, go harder. That's what will get me better at swimming. When the reality is swimming is a manipulative sport and water is an external force you push against. Whenever you first teach people how to do cleans or snatches or do something high skill, mm-hmm. Like on the rings, ring muscle ups, bar ups, bar muscle ups, whatever. Do you tell them do harder, do 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 more? No. You right. tell them to chill the chill out. Yeah. <laughs> Be one with the object <laughs> and try to, in a sense, stay tight but calm. Right. You can do it. Through these steps. If you overanalyze it, we're gonna have a problem. So like with swimming, there's a saying that we say, you know, feel the water feel for the water like that's not figurative that is literal literally feeling water like water unlike air you can um, well i'm sure if you had like the appropriate tools to measure air movement like you can see air moving every time you move your hand but (laughs) no it's like thermal whenever you someone farts and you know you look on (laughs) no there is something where you can see like air actually move i don't know what the camera is called but you know you can measure water being moved and you can literally feel the water you're pushing against Mm -hmm. And that doesn't until you're able to understand the appropriate level of push and pull in the water, hmm. you're going to think go faster. No, you manipulate the water 
through appropriate mechanics, just like you can manipulate your body kind of around the barbell properly. Right. I shouldn't say around, but you get it. I know what you're saying. Uh, for cleans and snatches. Uh, I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go on a big tangent, so I'm gonna stop there. No, no, no. I, I don't. I don't have the. Unfortunately, I don't have the time to go on a long tangent. <laughs> Oh um, my god, it's like a forty-minute tangent. We're in trouble. It'd be pretty long, dude. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, and I would start rambling too much, but yeah, you get it. Like, it's it's something where y- you don't need to have a bunch of grit for swimming until okay. you understand how to swim. Mm. Wow, that's something Yoda would say. <laughs> <laughs> Only well, backwards. Let's, let's talk about the big subject of this show: is mental toughness, right? So, sure. how, what? Do you find that you have to work on mental toughness with some of these folks? Like, uh, talking about grit, it sounds like most of them sort of come pre, like pre ready to go. Like they're all gritted up, they're ready to dig in. A lot of them do. I would say they most the majority are only in a sense mentally weak due to overanalyzing their skills and beating themselves down. Mm. But a lot of them practice meditation okay. about every about every night. Be it you know prayer reading literal i mean mean, it's all a form of meditation you know doing progressive muscle relaxation uh your your standard like the 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 buddhist definition of of meditation or that type of deal a lot of them do that and a lot of them consider you know yoga or or pilates their version of meditation as well um no i think mental toughness is something i am not going to state anything along the lines of you have to train mental toughness this way because right. I don't, I don't know what that way is. I do believe that there is a such thing as mental strength training, put quotes around it. Sure. That was, that was in a cha- the book, a champion's mind. Also a very good book. Uh, for those who haven't read it, I recommend it. Um, but yeah. mental toughness, I put quotes around toughness um, just because to me it's, it's a vague term. Because uh, there are there are varying degrees of mental toughness. Mm-hmm. Um, the people I work with, they are mentally "quote unquote" tough, uh, but they're weak in a subcategory. So they're on the other end of the spectrum, right? They're not they're not at the point where they have to learn how to push through two hours worth of competition. They're on the other side of that where they've done that and they are like self doubting their performance. They're worried about their performance before they get in there. In a sense, yeah. Hmm. So have you prescribed uh, meditation for anybody? Oh, yeah. I prescribe yeah. progressive mul- – I prescribe specifically progressive muscle relaxation for my – I say my, I, refu- I apologize uh, – for the people I work with in Texas about, okay. every, about every week. Wow. So what is that? So progressive muscle relaxation is a series of uh, using con- uh, contractions and relaxation coupling with breath. So huh. like, there's, there's a really good – let me see if I can find it and I'll, I'll – copy and paste it and put it in the um <clears throat> this chat here uh dartmouth program has a really good audio that you follow okay uh and it very well may be the best one i've i've, I've heard hmm. yep here it is uh copy so like you start by like squeezing your hands as hard as you can on an inhale you inhale as deep as you can squeeze your fists clench your fists you exhale and then you relax your hands completely 
to where they're just completely chilled out and they feel like they're sinking literally like into the ground. And then you move, you move up to your forearms and arms and shoulders. Then you go down to your feet, calves, quads, hamstrings, butt, abs, face. You essentially contract every single muscle in your body through a series of cueing. And then you exhale. As you exhale, you just relax each time. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's something that I know a lot of anxiety, uh, uh, psychiatrists use for anxiety, people with really bad anxiety and depression. Um, but it's also really good. Like if you're having a lot of soreness, um, then you can just feel a lot better the next day. Hmm. At least that's, we used to use it a lot during taper time for swimming in high school to help the kids get in a good mindset. Okay. And, Kyle, when I say we, I mean Kyle, Ruth, and myself. Uh, we would use it, and it, it worked really, really well. That's that's awesome. Um, have you have you done any breath training? I oh, mean, that, I, like, like you probably have because you're a swimmer, but yeah, like Wim Hof, right? Breathing that that's good stuff. Um, and then you know, in the pool, hypoxic work, meaning <laughs> go all the way under all the way to the side of the pool underwater, no breath, mm-hmm. go. <laughs> so that's holding your breath while you're expending energy. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the main purpose there is so you don't break your body line in the water. Got you. Huh. What about you? What have you personally done in terms of breath training? Wim Hof is about it, honestly. Really? Yeah. And then just there's some some tempo breath. Uh, the, 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 my top three: uh, progressive muscle relaxation, Wim Hof, and then just controlled breathing through a tempo. Okay. And inhale certain number of seconds, exhale certain number of seconds, hold certain number, whatever. Okay, so have you used like his app or anything, or you just you just read about it and then do it? I just kind of read about it and do it. Okay. That's well, okay. the progressive muscle relaxation, I follow that. I, I just put headphones in my ears and listen to that link that I, that I put in there. Hmm. And hopefully the people, um, if they're able to see your show or whatever. I will share all that stuff in the comments and everything. Oh, okay, cool. Absolutely. Um, have you done any... Uh, uh, box breathing. Have you heard of that? I haven't. No, I'm not familiar. Okay. Um, so box breathing is like, uh, <clears throat> let's do that backwards. So it's like, imagine a box, right? So you breathe in and as you're breathing in, you count whatever, like four seconds. Then you breathe and you hold it for four seconds. Then you breathe out for four seconds. Then you hold it for four seconds. Then you breathe in for four. And you just do that over and over and over. Oh, so, well then, yes, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. So, uh, uh, a mentor of mine, Mark Devine, I, uh, he he teaches that like religiously, and it's like a you know, something he teaches uh, to his seal buddies and stuff. And it, it's helped me, and I've I've coached people with that. And I, you know, I think breathing is like it's it's so weird. It's like the thing we do all the time, but we never practice it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Yeah. And you think, well, well, hell, man, I practice breathing every second of the day. It's like, well, no, you're using breathing. <laughs> you're not actually working on your ability to breathe better. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of kind of funny. Um, I suppose that's a thing with swimmers, though, right? I mean, we, yeah, I mean, we need to control our breath pretty well. Sorry for my dog. Oh, you're great. So it sounds like, uh, you know, the difference, I don't know. I don't want to say it's a difference. I mean, it's, everyone has a certain level of dedication, right? But mm-hmm. it sounds like if you are pursuing this path of athletics, you're pursuing this path that where you want to be a professional, um, it is dedication, 
right? Yeah, everything stems back essentially to your level of dedication or ability to dedicate, sacrifice. So how in the <laughs> hell do you coach dedication? How do I coach it? Yeah, how do you coach it? Oh, man, how do you force a horse to drink water? <laughs> you have to. I, I honestly, like, that is a very unique question, Gene. I've truly never thought of that. Huh? <laughs> ah, crap. Wait, hold on a sec. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, you're fine, man. Um, I've personally never thought about how do you teach people to be dedicated to a sport? Mm-hmm. Uh, I apply for the swimmers. I guess like I could say I applied uh, developmental psychology to sports. Um, <laughs> uh, and for the adults, I treat them as adults. And if they choose to continue, the biggest thing is like people like to say, like, I'm not where I think I should be. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, where were you a year ago? Well, I couldn't do a pull-up. It's like, well, now you can do 60. So like, well, <laughs> yeah. what's, the, what's the problem? You know, right. You're getting progress and you're getting good progress. Right. Like, oh, well, I guess I never put it in that. No, it really, I never put it in that 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 that, that picture. I didn't right. piece that together. It's like, well, okay. Now, how dedicated do you feel to training? Oh, really dedicated. Uh, I, Gene, I guess that's the best I can answer that, man. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that that is one of the techniques that I've used where you're like, just showing them their progress, right? Yeah, it's manipulative. <laughs> it? It's kind of like no, it's not. It's not. Coach, right? Oh, absolutely, it is. That's, <laughs> so that's manipulate funny. you to the best result that we can get out of you. That's right. Yeah, get gains. <laughs> gains. Um, all right, so that's some good stuff there, man. Um, so where where can people find you? Where can they find me? Uh, three, three, five springs. No, I'm <laughs> we'll be there soon. Um, I got Instagram. Um, let's see. I'll type it out here. Oh, actually I got to look it up. I don't really know what my Instagram. I'll, I'll, I'll seek it out for you. Okay. Uh, I got, I have an Instagram. I have a Facebook. I think it's pretty public. Mm-hmm. If you find, I mean, Atlantic grid league is the best place okay. or uh, Marietta Marlins. Is also a good one. That's the swim club that I coach. Okay. Um, but for everyone, <laughs> Instagram is probably the best route since that runs the fitness industry as a whole. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate, but it is what it is, right? <clears throat> now, if you don't have the ability to put out peer-reviewed articles, like I don't, then Instagram. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Here is my opinion via Instagram. Kind of peer-reviewed. Yeah, in in a sense, yeah, peer reviewed to get. Well, never mind. <laughs> yeah, Atlantic Grid League is the best, like the easiest I can say. But now, if you wanted to share my Instagram or whatever too on here, that's fine. I'll drop that in there. Um, I so I, I don't know if you had a second to prepare. If you don't, you can take a second. Um, do you have a favorite quote? Do you have something that you like to tell people? I have a variety of quotes, so I'm definitely not a big guy on quotes. Like quotes to me are, in a sense, arbitrary. Um, They shouldn't matter because, but it's like, you know, teaching people that you can live life wonderfully through these words. But it takes a whole lot for me to find a quote that resonates. And you know, I had 
you know, one of my favorite quotes back in the day was, you know, from Yogi Berra. It was kind of a trolling quote. <laughs> Baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. But really, uh, th- this is – I found this recently. And my, my swim coach – or my boss, my swimming boss, my, the, the, the head coach for the Marietta Marlins posted this on his Facebook. It's never blame anyone in your life. The good people give you happiness. The bad people give you experience. The worst people give you a lesson. The best people give you memories. Ooh, that's very Buddhist. Yeah, I really, I really, really like it a lot. I like Um, it. It makes me very happy. You guys heading out? All right. Sorry, my my homies are leaving. Um, That's that's probably that's probably my favorite quote as of now. On it's. It's not. It's just because, especially in today's world, you know, the individual is never at fault. Accountability is not a thing. Yeah. When it should be. Now, I've been talking lately with some people. It's like if you have a problem with somebody, like here in front of you, talk through it as adults, and then move on. It's not hard. Like That'd don't a, don't yeah. blame them for you know you being pissed off, and they shouldn't blame you for them being pissed off. Like talk about your issues. Agree to disagree if you want, and then move on in life. Right. Uh, that same guy, uh, Jocko, um, he has a book. It's called Extreme Ownership. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, know, I've heard, I have yeah. heard of that book. So you should read it. the 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 title's like Extreme Ownership. You know, and you <laughs> the guy talk. He's like, I'm fucking Jocko. I'll punch you in the face. But it's like, <laughs> it's not really extreme. It's just sort of what you just described. It's like yeah. just own it. Like if 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 you are responsible for getting something done. Do it. Don't yeah. bitch about it. Don't blame other people. Just do it yeah. and own it. And if you f- screw up, apologize. Work through your issues. Yeah. I mean, like, wow. <laughs> it's not hard to be an adult. It's not, sense. but but it really is. Um, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. Quit it, wanna. Mom. I don't want to. Do you, a uh, parting shot, do you have any stories of someone? Um, maybe you coach. You don't have to name names. That uh, was a total jackass in this term. Uh, who never took accountability for their actions? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. Oh man, where to? Where to start? Dude, there, there's a handful. Right. Oh my god, especially with high school kids. Mm. Oh man. I, there's a kid right, that I have right now that just will not take any accountability for his actions. Mm. And he has been my project for the past year. He's gotten a lot better. It's a noble project, man. It's, it's been fun. Mm. Really. He has gotten a lot better. Like he's one, he's the type that's like, you know, I don't have to show up on time. And if you yell at me, you're an asshole. Uh, like, yeah, well, you're going to go swim at a very big name college. You just wait until you're, you say that to your coach and then you lose your scholarship and everything. I don't say that to him at all. Cause I'm trying, I'm going to try to fix him before he leaves. Let me ask you this. Does this person have a lot of physical, natural talent? Yes. Do you find, I've said, I didn't get, I didn't come up with this. Uh, I, someone said it to me and then I've noticed it over the years and I agree. And I will say this, that I would rather coach a room full of people. It's going to sound bad, but, yeah, I think you'll get my point. I'd rather coach a room full of people with no, no natural talent that I have to build from the ground up than one person that is so full of natural talent, but yet won't do anything. 
Absolutely, because the people with the natural talent thinks they're never going to fail. Yeah. The people who don't have the natural talent are going to fail a lot. And that's that's another big thing that in range they talk about this is, is failing, how uh, it, it's too easy to not fail. Mm-hmm. Specifically, he talks about the education system, how, how we, as a society, we as a teaching and education society do not allow failure when we should allow failure to promote growth. Like I said, I'm a huge, I'm a huge advocate for failure. I fail all the time, and I'm proud of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and and I don't. Natural talent people don't fail. At least they don't think they're going to fail, so they don't listen. Yeah, yeah. It's frustrating. It's mm-hmm. like if we could combine the two, man, you have like a super athlete, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of uh, gut wrenching sometimes to watch it happen. Yeah. And it breaks my it breaks my heart whenever you yeah. see the people who are really naturally talented they enter that you know the deer in the headlights look of what just happened because yeah. they're so blindsided by failing mm-hmm. i feel bad but sometimes i can't like, hey, take that you little bastard <laughs> <laughs> sorry no i should i shouldn't i should never say that but yeah it, it does it, it's very heartbreaking because it's like yeah. you now when you're when your kid gets injured for the first time it's like oh man that's, poor kid that's, yeah we're gonna work through that but yeah. I just find those, those people, when we were talking about grit and mental toughness, I just think that that is inherently something that, um, yeah, one, you do build through failure. But two, those people that are sort of starting at that ground zero, they they work through that. Like they just expect it and they just kind of keep plowing ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. And I would rather be around that more than uh, the other thing. Absolutely. Teaching people with no talent is a lot more fun as a coach because they're a lot more coachable. Yeah. Obviously we're, we're talking selfishly, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. This is, this is my podcast. How would I want? <laughs> we, we can, we can say how wrong it is, but every coach likes to coach people who have no talent. Well, relatively no talent than those who do. I'm glad you brought that up, Gene. Thank yeah, you. And even, even that, like saying no talent, that's not really true because you, you know, it's, it's about developing that skill, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some people can just kind of like fall, fall backwards into skill, right? Just they naturally can feel where their body is. They can naturally run fast or breathe better or whatever. So they just kind of fall into it. If you have to work on those building blocks over months or years, um, you, you earn it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you just you protect it. And, you, and those people usually become the most driven people I've ever been around. And that inspires the shit out of me. Oh yeah. Like for my own sake, because I don't I don't know about you, Dan, but like you know, I am not I'm not a mid level or higher athlete by any stretch of the word, but like everything I've gotten I have earned through blood, sweat, and tears, just grinding out on it. Like I'm the guy that needs like five thousand reps on one thing just to be able to do it well. You know? I gotcha. Um, and when I see someone else doing that, I'm like, we are Friends, friends. I can see you from across the internet. We're friends, you know. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's where we hit it off. I don't know. You, you always seem kind of naturally talented. I've seen you do muscle ups, and uh, oh, I was lucky. Just the hell out of me. No, it? <laughs> it took it took me eight months of doing the same drills, yeah. literally the same three or four drills for eight months. Right. I'm while, still working on it. 
<laughs> I mean, you'll get there. It's just that that was honestly, you know, you talk about mental toughness and grit. That's yeah. the most grit I'd ever had in my life is to get a ring muscle up at 300 pounds. That was all just making sure tendons weren't going to explode <laughs> and making sure that, you know, I had the transition down pat. Uh, and, and, but that, 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 that's, I mean, we're not here to talk about my success in that. That was, that was all luck. Well, I tell people all the time, you know, one of the one of the common things we work on is just people wanting to do pull-ups, right? That's like yeah. a super common goal. People are like, I want pull-ups by the end of the year. Like, it took me two years to be able to do pull-ups, you know? And I'm talking like the Kipping CrossFit style pull-ups. Yeah. Um, two friggin' years. And I tell people that, and they're like, what? I'm like, dude, you got to keep working on this. This is not yeah. something you do like one session and then like, hey, I got it, you know, by yeah. Tuesday. You got to do this shit every day for the next year until you get it. And then when you get it, you got to work on doing two. Oh, yeah. It's like double unders, man. Yep. Yep. It just takes a lot of practice. I still know people after years, like probably five years of of being in CrossFit or being in exercise, they can't do double unders still. So hear me out on the double unders. This is one, the double under test. This is my my, uh, coachable test. Yeah. I don't know if you have, have little... What do they call it? The canary in the coal mine, where the yeah, coal mine yeah, yeah. Um, it's my canary in the coal mine. I will, I will prescribe double unders for you know, like every now and then for a, a month or so, and I will look at who is willing to stop doing like in a workout, in a common CrossFit workout. I will look at who's willing to stop doing singles and try to do double unders, and how long? Like, will you do this for the whole month and just fail? and fail and fail and make your workout like, you know, in a 20 minute AMRAP, you just get like two rounds because you spent half the workout trying to get double unders. How <laughs> long will you do that to get double unders? And I watch those people and uh, the people that are like, you know, one day and the next day they're like, fuck it, I'm just doing singles because I got to get in rounds in this thing. You know, I'm, I can't live with just two rounds. Um, I yeah. watch that one. Like yeah, the one that's willing to stick it out, I'm like, I will spend extra time with you because yeah. you're kind of people. Yeah, those are the individuals who want to develop skill and want to develop yeah. movement yeah. competency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any canary in a coal mine scenarios you watch for? Mm. You, just, in, you, just smell in, you just you just tell. Well, in, in swimming, I'll be specific yeah, sure. with swimming and CrossFitters, the canary in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. The, per, the, the people who are willing to except that you're going to move through the water slower before you will move faster. And that Mm. if you continue to work on buoyancy and kick relative to speed, you're you're going to be the person that's like, you're going to give me goosebumps by the end of the session because you're going to be the the kid that's going from crawling to running in a matter of a month. That's awesome. So I guess that's as close as I can get. (laughs) (laughs) That's some nerdy swimmer stuff right there, man. Sorry. <laughs> we'll, take we'll take it. We'll take it. All right, man. Uh, any parting shots? Anything you want to say? I, d- I just really appreciate you, know, you, 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 you having me on your show, Gene. Like this is this is great. I always love chatting with a homie. Me too, man. I, I always like speaking with like-minded people, and uh, you've definitely been one that I can always sort of uh, just kind of talk about anything with. Yeah, we get along pretty well. Yeah, I love you, man. I love you. Uh, <laughs> I, I did see on your list obstacles or opportunities. Oh, you got something. I I really like that. 
okay. comparing the two because that is a really unique method to. I actually talked about this with somebody not too long ago. It was like, you know, if somebody, let's say a whole class is saying like, okay, everyone has to get, you know, 10 pushups in 30 seconds. Otherwise we have to start it all over again, or you, you can't lose your midline. Otherwise we have to start it all over again. Mm-hmm. You can't do pushups from your knees. Otherwise we start all over again. You get to like push up number nine or whatever. Someone drops their knees. Oh, we got to go all over. Do you say, Oh, I got to do it again. And do, or do you say, all right, another opportunity to get better at pushups. Mm-hmm. No. So I think it's really interesting how people would view the obstacle presented, meaning the, what they have to achieve would they view that as an opportunity to get better if someone fails or they view it as an, Oh shit, this is just going to be more and more obstacles to get better. No, or this guy's a dick. dick, Right. (laughs) Me personally, in like with the kids that I work with, whenever there's like, I mean, we have like 60 kids in the pool at one time. So one of them is going to screw up. Right. So like we, we do repeat a lot of stuff because somebody does something wrong. And then was like, Oh damn it. We as a, as coaches, we tell them, "Hey, this isn't a bad thing. This is actually a great thing because it's giving you another opportunity to get your junior national cut or Olympic trial cut or or this that and the right. other." Like we actually try to get the kids to view things as opportunities and not obstacles. Mm-hmm. So I, awesome. I I saw that and I really liked it, and that, that's, that's awesome. I just wanted to give that little piece. Yeah, man, I I I look at that too. Um, that's a really hard one to self. To sort of self-manage on. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. You can fall in that trap so fast of just like not like ah, uh, just hating life, you know. Absolutely, and, dude. I'm with you, I think it's super important to um to try to have to kind of check yourself. Uh, do you have anything? Yeah, do you, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you have anything that you sort of help sort of self-regulate or sort of self-check yourself? I mean, what are some tools that you use or maybe teach your kids to use? I say over and over again that failing is learning and failing really? is, is winning. Um, if I'm, I always fit, interested, I'm always huh? interested in people's positive. I call that positive self-talk. I don't yeah. call it that's what I call it, but like, I'm always interested to hear what people say. So you say failing is eventually winning. Failing leads to success. You know, mm-hmm. if at first, you know, you know, the old Abe Lincoln quote, you know, if, if at first you don't fail, try, try again and whatnot. Right, right. right. I listen to my wife a lot when it comes to that type of stuff. My wife has changed my mentality a whole lot in the years that we've been together to where she's the one essentially that I, I will say is responsible for me viewing failing as this failing is opportunities. Failing creates more opportunities. I mean, to a degree, obviously. I mean, you don't want to fail while driving a car after years of driving and then you crash and right, die. Right. And, We're yeah. talking about like like trying to do something and like yeah, it's like trying again. Yeah, you know, Evelyn has to do digital schooling right now with 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 all this nonsense with the coronavirus, and she was getting really frustrated with she wasn't doing something right, and we tell her r- routinely, "Hey, it's okay." If you fail, you could just try again. Right. And the more you fail right now, the better, because you will get it down pat later on. It's okay. Right. No, we don't promote failing enough, in my opinion. I, I always try to, uh, to uh, so I, I teach karate, and that's a, like inherently built into that system is testing, Right. I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a, a karate student to know that, like, to get belt rank, you test, 
right? You yeah. See what you're made of. Most people know that. Um, so it, it's inherently built into the system. And people can get really wrapped up into that where like every time we're training, they think I'm watching them and like grading them, you know? And I mean, of course I am, right? We do that as CrossFit coaches, but mm -hmm. like, it's because it's our job. But mm -hmm. I, I always routinely say like, we are not testing, we are training. Mm -hmm. It's okay to mess this up. You know, yeah. this is a safe place. Relax. You know, it's a safe place. Well, I mean, you know, like, yeah, I got you. I throw you out of here because you you messed your stance up. You know, I might say, stop doing that or fix it. Or I might yell at you from across the room, like, fix your thing. But like, I'm not gonna throw you out. You're not gonna no. fail like the whole your future test. Like, no. this is where we're training. Um, I, I don't know. That clicked in my head a few years ago in my own training that like. In the gym, in the dojo, like I'm training, right? I I can make mistakes. This is where I'm learning. I don't yeah, yeah. want anyone to impress while I'm in here. Yeah. I think that's sort of maybe we talked about grit or, or mental toughness. It's maybe it's a sort of level you have to get to where you just stop giving a shit. Yeah. You know? Being being afraid of what others think is the hardest thing for a lot of people to get over. People say like, oh, I don't give a shit what they think. I don't give a they shit really what do. they say. Everybody really does. Yeah. I mean, at least, at least, you know, certain people, like if you didn't give a crap, you would not show up at the gym with makeup yeah. on. You wouldn't show up to the gym with the new rogue shorts and shirt on or whatever. No, probably not. You would, you would show up in your, you know, your wife beater with no bra and, <laughs> yeah. you know, who knows, wearing God knows what. And, and you wouldn't have showered for a week, you know, because right. right. <laughs> you should go sweat anyway. I don't know that I've ever met someone that legitimately doesn't give a shit. Uh, I don't think I. Well, I mean, I mean, not that's not like a crackhead or something, you know. <laughs> I mean, like they like legitimate. They're in the gym. They're in the dojo. Whatever. I, I've never met anyone that's doing something that legitimately doesn't care. Yeah, I and mean, to find somebody with that level of apathy would be unique. It would. I don't. I don't know how I would take that. I don't know if they're. I don't know if they'd be coachable. Pretty rough. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the best. <laughs> Boy, that'd be a coin flip. <laughs> I, think so. I think so. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you um you glad you caught that one. I dig that one too. Um, I got you, fam. I appreciate it, man. It's been great talking to you. Uh, oh yeah, we'll get you back on. Um, I'm gonna start these um live sessions and things probably once a week. So nice. Out to you again with some topics and stuff. Okay. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, fam. Yes, appreciate sir. you sharing everything, and uh, appreciate you letting me. Uh, next time I'll talk a little more about the grid league stuff. Oh yeah. We're still just trying to figure everything out now with yeah. not having to figure out the next, the venue, where we're going to have it, how it's going to work and whatnot. There, there's so much up in the air right now anyway. Um, yeah. I don't, I, don't even know if, I don't even know when life is going to go yeah. back. You just have to shelve all that stuff and then figure it out later. Yeah. By the way, these are cauliflower chips. <laughs> That's some crunch, bro. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's upset they don't get the video of you eating cauliflower. <laughs> Grain-free cauliflower tortilla chips. Sounds pretty good. They're actually really good. They're nacho-flavored. Put some, put some protein on that bad boy. Dude, you get some spinach artichoke dip on these mugs. Uh, yeah, we do have to get you back. Well, I want to talk about intermittent fasting with you, too. Um, oh, yeah. I would love to. We'll, um, really love to talk about that. Do this again. All right. So this is cauliflower chips, intermittent fasting, grid league. <laughs> 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 I love it. All right, take it easy. You too, Gene. Thanks, buddy. Love you.